everybody to episode 30 of the baby mamas 30 flirty and thriving or 30 and feeling dirty dirty 30 if you're me and you have a uti <laughs> dirty up the urethra having a uti when you're pregnant is the shit no it In is shit <laughs> not like the shit. shit it's shit it's terrible it's not good no it actually isn't safe in the sense that you're more likely to have it move into your kidneys and it can cause early labor so not because your immune system is um compromised yeah so i was really paranoid about it moving into my kidneys because then yeah it irritates the uterus and can cause contractions so i took a couple days off work and sat around like stressing out and sucking back the sugar-free cranberry juice, which, which if is you've, disgusting. If you've ever had sugar-free cranberry juice, you know, you'll know why they put so much sugar in it. Because, damn, that's tart. Yeah, and it looks delicious. It's like this deep red. So every time you go to drink it, you're like, <laughs> She was even mixing it with uh, soda water. And it was still like, Ugh! Yeah, not good, not good. But it seems to be going away. Did mm. a blood test, did a urine culture. and The blood test wasn't for that. No, I just did them. Yeah. I like Because you blood. like having your blood taken. And we had Mother's Day. Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, mother. Oh, mother. Oh. Um, yeah, it was super fun for me. I worked for 12 hours. People kept, like, saying Happy Mother's Day to me, which is nice. And I know why they're doing it. They're trying. Because you already are a mom. Yeah, they're trying to be nice and be like, you're already a mom. But then I was, I just don't feel like it's. I kind of want to earn it. You know, it's like how before we were married, people would always be like, where's the wife? And I'd be like, no, she's not my wife yet. Don't have a wife yet. Don't know what you're talking about. We're just those obnoxious people that are always going to correct you. (laughs) No, but what Ange said about that was she was like, well, I'm as much a mother as as an egg as a chicken. Yeah. So then we had an egg day the next day. And I went and bought my wife some slip-on shoes because she can't tie her laces easily anymore. No, it's a struggle for sure. Yeah. And then what did I do for you for Mother's Day? You made me a really sweet card. Did I? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sweet. I know, even though I've told you so many times that I want you to make me a card for every single one of our occasions. Every single one. Because she makes these really great cards. They're like super cute and funny and thoughtful. And she draws out these like awesome little characters. They're so good. But I, and I always, because they're so. Th- awesome i always want her to make them for everybody for every occasion but she's always like "Ugh, nobody appreciates them i'm like okay so then after i got my card i was so happy and the next day she's like Ugh, i'm glad you're like cherishing this card it's just sitting on this like shelf and i was like yes what do you want me to do with it she's like i don't know i thought maybe it would matter to you i was like well what i'm gonna do with the card is keep it probably forever and pull it out every couple years and read it and think wow my wife is so sweet i love her and then she just kind of was looking at me unimpressed. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Am I supposed to take it out and frame it and tell everyone in the world about it? 
I think she wants that. Yeah, my cards are pieces of mas- masterpieces. They're masterpieces. Pe- they're pieces of masterpieces? Yes. <laughs> and then you put them all together into one masterpiece. You know, you already have someone who's obsessed with your cards, right? Like your mom takes them her mom took like a whole collection of Angela's cards to like a card like an art shop and was like you should buy these cards from my daughter and they were like yeah totally like get a a bunch together and bring them out and Angela was like no I'm not doing that even though you totally could sell them no yeah I don't feel like doing that though they're right up there with bald guy greetings oh anyway anyway so we we had a nice little Mother's Day-esque thing we did it was good yeah. We took my mom out. Uh, her birthday's the day before Mother's Day, or it's usually pretty close because mm-hmm. it's May 7th, so it's always like birthday, Mother's Day, so close together, which is just annoying. But yeah, we took her out for dinner for her birthday, which was, it went fine. It was nice, except I've never seen her eat so much in my life. Yeah. She ate like the equivalent of two full entrees, and we were just both like, what the fuck? Like this woman eats like a bird. She never eats. Well, that's why, and then she kind of binges yeah yeah and then the shitty thing is my brother was supposed to take her out the next day for mother's day he bailed on her Mm. twice so shitty he was supposed to come for dinner on her birthday and said no no no, i'll just take you out tomorrow for mother's day and then bailed on that and then was like i'll take you out the next day for lunch bailed on that yeah and pretty shitty so then i took her to michael's bought her some yarn yeah but she was trying to ruminate over the fact that my brother didn't take her out she kept bringing it up and i was like mom gotta let it go mm-hmm. it's he's done it that's his choice i'm not gonna sit here and talk to you about it for another also hour. this isn't news he does it pretty much every time oh, yeah. he has plans with her so it's like it would be a miracle if he actually showed up and did what he said he was gonna do it would be but and, but she looks forward to seeing oh, him God. so much it's like she wants that more than anything but the crappy thing is that then you're doing something nice for her and all she's doing is talking about how disappointed she is about not having that nice thing from your brother and you're like i'm right fucking here yeah i know so it's uh it's a struggle i didn't get to see my mom at all i tried to make plans with her and she just blew me off (laughs) no she uh is not good at remembering things i guess i asked her to send me her schedule so we could because we both work shift work so it's pretty challenging sometimes to find time together um but we're gonna make we're gonna have a date and go and get lunch and she's gonna help me pick out fabric to make curtains for my room and for the baby's room and yeah but we haven't actually made plans yet. How did you feel on Mother's Day? Did you feel any different? I just felt sad that I wasn't with you, but that's just because I was at work and it was like not my regular shift. It was like an extra, it was like a shift trade shift. So it feels a little less awesome to be there. But then I kept thinking, um, this is the best thing I could be doing on Mother's Day because what I'm doing is allowing myself to be there once my baby's born. So that's the most motherly thing I could do. Yeah. I did a lot of like reflecting on Mother's Day. I was alone for mm-hmm. most of it. Mm-hmm. See, and that's why I felt sad. No, but I wasn't bad. I, wasn't I know. Like, I, I know you weren't. getting like a foot massage from my wife or anything like that. Yeah. But I was just thinking about how, thinking about like mother stuff and thinking about like how much things have changed in the past while for us yeah mm-hmm. in our lives in the past two years and mm-hmm. thinking about since we my married. mom mm-hmm. and thinking about how like two years ago she was in this accident that was like really horrible and almost killed her mm-hmm. and then here we are now like having a baby and it's just like i was i was happy 
I know I struggle with my mom, but I was happy that day that I was that she's going to get to meet my child because that's something that's I've always wanted. Mm-hmm. Even though I do have this like strife with my mom and it's a complicated relationship mm-hmm. and it's really difficult. I think you you have this like great outlook with your mom that I really struggle to have, but you just take the good when it's good and when it's bad, you do your best to like put up boundaries and not let it get to you, but you're always so open to like when she's being good. It's like you don't let the bad stuff embitter you so that you're not like capable of being open to her or letting her in when she's like good you know yeah because when she's good she's like really good yeah there is there is value in my mom of course there is she does have some like good insight I think that she she is really good with kids mm-hmm. I mean I know that my my childhood wasn't like fantastic but there's so many other things that played into that like her alcoholism and my her relationship with my dad and everything but like and his alcoholism and drug use yeah, <laughs> yeah. but if you see her when she's on with a child mm-hmm. it's like so amazing that's like when she's like at her like her best self is around children she loves kids so much and i think i i don't even like she's been on this like really long stretch i'm like afraid to say it because i'm gonna jinx it or something but she's been on this pretty long stretch of like being good for the last little while and i don't know if it has to do with our baby coming or if I mean it's hard to tell right it's hard to know what the reason is but it does seem like she's been trying extra hard lately to like be good and to like keep her shit together and not be a complete train wreck which is great because you don't need the stress yeah she has been really good so I don't know I was just thinking about that and thinking like yeah I'm glad that the accident didn't kill her because having a baby would feel much different I think if my mom weren't around mm-hmm um, is that something that you're thinking about now because of recent developments? Do you want to talk about that? Sure, we can talk about it. So Ange just found out like a few days ago that her mom found another lump. Her mom's had breast cancer twice, so she found a lump on her ster- sternum and oddly enough didn't tell Ange, which is yeah, weird because she tells you ev- like she tells you if her toaster doesn't work. Like she tells you everything. Yeah, she's quite alarming, uh, quite of an alarmist. So when something is going wrong, I get a phone call usually you get a phone call no matter what but yeah you get like a panicked phone call instead of just like a regular one it was sort of this weird thing it was off the cuff she was like oh I have a an appointment with my oncologist and I was like okay thinking it was just like a follow-up because the oncologists generally tend to follow you for a while Mm -hmm. after you have like up to like five years after you you finish your treatment I was like well I'm getting off work early so I can take you and she's like okay that'd be great totally just casual she said that she was a little bit nervous but she's always a little bit nervous Mm -hmm. when she goes to see dr larish as if like her doctor is just going to be like you have cancer and you're going to die i don't know i haven't looked at anything in your body in a year but i just somehow Mm -hmm. know that and then we get in there and she starts talking she's like yeah i have this lump i was like what i didn't expect that. i didn't know you had this lump like right in the middle of your chest Mm -hmm. and the doctor said that she's like oh yeah i'm worried too let's like look into this and I was like oh fuck kind of had this moment of like here we go again Mm -hmm. what does this mean like holy shit I'm not freaking out about it but I do because we don't know anything yet but but historically it's not it's it's never good it's not okay well and now like I'm really curious to see what happens next because like last time she had the recurrence it was like we knew what was going to happen because we'd already done this whole the first time it was like the same thing again um but then this time because last time she had both times she's had cancer she's had 
uh, heart failure as a result of her chemo. And the last time they said, like, you can't get treated for this again. Yeah, it was taking too much of a toll on her heart. And so it was like, on one hand, we could get rid of the cancer and damage your heart so then you die anyway. Mm -hmm. Or we could, like, lay off the chemo and... let's see what the cancer does basically try and maybe do some radiation and obviously if there's a lump they're going to take it out but she was not very resilient with the chemo and I think part of that is because it took such a toll on her body yeah and the other thing is it's not going to be the same I can't before I was more available to her I could take her to appointments Um, we both were we were both like over the course of moving on like like, we can't do that a couple months before if they do decide to do some sort of treatment, it takes a couple months to, like, get there, or at least, like, mm-hmm. weeks, and that's, like, further on into my pregnancy, closer mm-hmm. to my due date. Like, I don't know how if – how this is going to pan out, how it's mm-hmm. going to work at all. Well, I mean, hopefully – she seems to be getting better at, like, being connected with resources that are available to her within the community. So maybe she can get connected with the Freemasons because they do – She was using them last time. Yeah, so she can do that again, but – Yeah, it's going to be really hard if she has to go through, like, the whole litany of surgery and treatments and all the fucking million appointments. I don't know how we're going to do it this time. Like, I, when you told me that, I was like, fuck. Like, that was my first thought was, I mean, obviously, not happy, not excited for your mom. It sucks that she's going to have to deal with this again if it is indeed cancer, which, I mean, it's so close to where she had it last time. It's like, what are the chances it's not cancer, really? Yeah, my only thinking is, like, because of her accident, so much stuff got, like, fucked up that maybe it's, like, scar tissue or it's something else. But, again, my other side of my brain is, like, it's never been something else. It's always this been cancer. This is what we thought yeah. the time before, and that's what we thought the time before. Yeah. Well, so. last time it was hard to, like, think anything else because it was exactly where the cancer was initially. This time it's, like, instead of being in the left breast, which no longer exists and there's absolutely no tissue tissue left, it's right on her sternum, so... And it's quite big. Yeah? Yeah, I'd say it's like two inches. Fuck. Yeah. So we don't know how long it's been there. No, she told me, but I I can't remember. That's a weird thing to forget. Yeah. Yeah. So we're trying not to go to the, like, dark, bad place, but it's, yeah. But there has been reflection. That was my point, really. Mm Mm-hmm. Just reflecting on how how much things change and just thinking about how when we go and see our counselor, that's what she always said. She's always like, things don't ever stay the same. Things always change. And it's mm-hmm. so true. Like, So no matter how difficult something seems at the time, it's going to change. It's not going to stay like that. Yeah. You, like it might get worse. It might get better, but it's not going to stay the same. So mm-hmm. like if you're feeling trapped in a situation. The only constant is change. Yeah. If you're feeling trapped in a situation, it's, it's not going to stay that way. It will shift one way or another and just at least feel different yeah not actually get better I think maybe that's why because you've had so much change in your life there's nothing really like you've had such a lack of stability maybe that's why you're so good at just sort of taking the good when it comes and trying to deal with the bad to the best of your ability and just like being so adaptable well I just feel like if you concentrate on the bad it just it's too crushing yeah like I can't sit there and be angry and upset and sad all the time yeah it just it's all consuming and then you become this like monster you become like miserable yeah you're just like this shell of a person and you see those people too like you meet them and you're just like oh you don't want to be around them they're not fun Mm -hmm. they're just oozing out negative everything and it's Mm -hmm. it takes a toll on you for sure definitely does because even when i do have those days when i do feel resentful and frustrated and 
tired and tired and all consumed about my mom or about other things in my life it's exhausting Mm -hmm. it is and girl you gotta save that energy for that baby Mm -hmm. i do we think we've figured out a name but we're not gonna tell you no it's a secret because you'll steal it you sneaky podcast listeners (laughs) just listening to podcasts don't name your baby and we've been so we've had since our, I think our, since our last podcast we've had two two prenatal classes. Yeah, we started the prenatal classes, which is I think we explained it last time. It's all about birthing at home because we're gonna stay at home as long as we can, I guess, we'll and and hopefully happens. we can stay home for the whole thing. And it's been such an interesting like thing to make that decision for ourselves and then to try and explain it to the people in our lives. Because holy crap, people really have the wrong idea about home birth. Yeah, I accidentally mentioned it in a staff meeting. Oh, God. Because I was talking, because we always do these check-ins. And I was like, oh, Jackie and I are starting our prenatal classes. It's like this birth at home. And then I was like, shit, why did I say that? And I kind of just tried to brush it off, assuming like no one was really listening or paying attention to what I actually said. And one of my coworkers was like, wait, 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 what? At, like at home and I was like yeah I mean we'll just see we're just finding we're just uh checking it out and we're gonna see what happens you know we might end up with that and I totally like backpedaled and tried to cover it up because I was like I don't mm-hmm. feel like getting into this conversation that's that's like our 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 prenatal I guess she's a doula she's a doula and like birth educator so she said to us in class she was like you know I I know i Obviously, all of us are here because we believe in home birth and we realize that it's safe and it's actually safer than hospital birth in most cases. Is it safer? All better, the studies it's, it's say better it's outcomes. No. Better outcome for like tearing and stress levels of the mom. And the baby. Baby's less likely to end up in the NICU. Mom's less likely to have tearing or need um, any kind of surgery. Like it's just the outcomes in the sense that like the baby and the mom end up healthy are roughly the same for a hospital and home birth, but the experience of it is less invasive in a home birth. Anyways, but it's just like, you know, acknowledging that we all kind of understand that. I also want to give you guys permission to like, if, if you're out in public and people are asking you, just don't bother telling them that you're having a home birth. Yeah. You don't have to be the advocate because people don't understand it. And it's really frustrating to have to be like explaining to people like, A, you don't know what you're talking about if you're going to make that snap judgment of like, oh, my God, you're going to have a home birth. That's so dangerous. The instant someone says that to me, I'm like, you obviously don't know what you're talking about Mm -hmm. because it's not. And B, it's none of your fucking business. And C, we're responsible adults that have made a choice that's right for us. And just because you don't understand it or you don't know anything about it does not give you the right to judge us for it. So it's been like I, I kind of struggle with that because I really want people. To, I'm I'm very passionate about it. I really want people to know that it's like not a. It's not like first of all, if anybody knows us, we don't make decisions lightly. We don't just think like, oh, someone said home birth is good. Okay, let's do it. Or we're not like hospitals are evil and doctors just want to be like big pharma pushers. We're gonna stay. Yeah, home. we're not skeptical of the medical system. We're like believers in science and evidence. So if you show me evidence that this is going to be better for me and this is going to be a better experience, that's what I look for. That's what I look into. So it's been weird because I really want people to know that this is like a really good, safe, better alternative than being in a hospital. Because really, who wants to be in a hospital unless they have to be? Hospitals suck. I'm sorry to all the people that work in them, but nobody wants to be in the hospital. It's not fun. It's not comfortable. It's not like relaxing or stress-free or germ-free. There's a reason why people 
get excited when they get to go home. <laughs> yeah. Like who doesn't like and home is our like like we are serious homebodies. Home is our happy place. So all of these things lead to us wanting to have a home birth, right? Um, so I, on the one hand, I want to be the person saying, no, we're having a home birth. You want to know why? This is why. I'll show you the evidence. I'll show you the proof. I'll tell you everything you don't actually know about it. But then the other hand, it's like, fuck, I'm so tired of defending my choices. And I know everyone says this, and I've heard it from all of my friends, that the minute you become a parent, the minute you become pregnant, everyone has an opinion, and everyone's going to tell you what you should do. And the, But the thing is, they're not telling you what you should do. They're telling you what they did. Yeah. saying this is how I did it this is what you should do because that makes me feel better about my choices and it's just it's so weird like and the like when I tell somebody about home birth I'm not telling them because I think they should do it I'm telling them because they should be informed before they make a decision and that's frustrating too because if you go yeah. and say there's all these studies read up on it watch this video whatever you know they're not going to no they they're won't. just sort of like eh. I know it's like you're so willing to jump in and tell me what I'm doing is wrong but you're actually not willing to l- l- do the research and learn about what you think you know so that kind of it's kind of annoying like I really it's that's and that's a really nice part about being in this class because everybody's of the same mind you don't have to convince any of them we're all just sitting in the same space knowing that this is a good choice and that this is going to be a better experience for us in our birth yeah that kind of that kind of worries me though what I would like it our confirmation bias yeah I would like it if we would talk about maybe if there are any benefits to hospital birth and what those are and how those can be brought into the home like I want the other side of it but I don't think she's not telling us the other side of it I think generally speaking she's just telling us like well first of all you hear the other side side of it from everyone else yeah but I would like to hear it from someone who's pro home who's like I'm also willing to acknowledge that a b and c about hospital births are good like I want but I don't think that she's not telling us that I think and that's what I what I really like about our our teachers that she's sort of attended the whole gamut of kinds of birth like from like unintended births which means like a birth without like a licensed practitioner so like they have what what are called traditional home wives home wives (laughs) traditional (laughs) midwives unattended like free births seems a bit extreme to me but But that's the thing it's right for some people it would i don't think it's right for us but and she's also like been to a ton of hospital births so and she has acknowledged that, you know, it's not that home birth is the only option that everyone should choose. It's that it's 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 the best option for most people. But there's definitely a place for hospital births because some women are higher risk. Some women just don't have the luxury of being able to be at home. And that's how we should be treating birth. And like even from like the government standpoint, it's so much cheaper for the government for people to have home births. Mm-hmm. If it's like the safest option for most people. And that's the thing is that most births are normal and fine and there's no complications and there's no issues and the things that do arise like breach or cord being wrapped around the neck midwives are completely capable of dealing with them in the exact same way that that an OB is and that's the thing is that the majority of the problems that come up in like a generally normal birth in like a low risk regular birth midwives are perfectly well trained for that and people don't understand that people think midwives are just the same as a doula which doulas have a like amazing role in birth but a midwife is like a very well-trained medical practitioner they've gone to school for four years just studying birth and people like oh but an ob i'm like yeah an ob spent all of their most of their education learning about all of medicine the whole body studying the studying the entire system and then specializing for a couple years for fewer years than a midwife and this is the part that blows my mind 
Most OBs have never seen a full, like from start to finish, regular natural birth. It's not even a requirement of their education. They don't have to know what birth looks like without being intervened on. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. Like, this is a thing that our body, like, women's bodies have been doing for centuries, for millennia. And it's, like, so hard for people to wrap their heads around, like, it not being a medical process. But it's not a medical process. Just like your period is not a medical process. It's just a bodily function. Well, it's, didn't it start with, because it used to be you would have your baby at home always. And midwives were just It started because women. men wanted more power. Yeah, and then that guy invented forceps and was like, well, I could use these. Oh, it started well before that. It started, like, part, I mean, ugh. while I was in university... Um, I studied women's studies. That was my, my my minor. And one of the books that I got to study was call, is called For Her Own Good, Two Centuries of the Expert's Advice to Women by Barbara Ehrenreich. It is a fantastic read and it will explain to you all about all the horrible things that medicine and basically how everyone has done to women's bodies. How the bodies. medical system overtook childbirth. Yeah. And and the craziest part is that when it started, they knew little to nothing about home birth. These these doctors who were basically charlatans, they were completely making shit up saying this was better than than home birth that midwives were witches and like all this bullshit. It was all just propaganda and they were doing so much harm. Babies were dying at like higher rates because they didn't know what the fuck they were doing because they didn't have this whole history of like this normal process witnessing a bunch of births. You know, at that point in time, women would it was like a very like feminine experience in the sense that like women would be giving birth and, you know, your nieces and nephews or your nieces and your sister and your aunts and your mom and your grandma, they would all be there. It was like everyone in the family would show up for the birth. So by the time you're giving birth, you've seen birth like all constantly. It was like normal. It was a part of everyday life, which now it's been completely removed from everyday life. Which is why people get terrified by the idea of home birth. But, and they think, oh, like, oh, but babies died at such high rates. The thing that caused the most deaths, like the highest rate of infant deaths, was when doctors got involved in birth, actually. Because they were doing crazy things. Like, they they actually weren't able to, because of, like, social norms or whatever, they weren't allowed to look. Yeah, so what the doctors would do is they would tie a sheet around their neck and then tie it around the woman's. So basically it'd be creating this barrier so that they couldn't actually see the vagina or the baby yeah. and then be like blindly putting forceps in the vagina to try and pull this baby out mm-hmm. without looking like what the fuck. Yeah. So you want to talk about dangerous. That's dangerous. But I mean, the big, like the basic thing is that in history, and that's one thing that you'll learn from this book is that, I don't want to just say men, but generally speaking, because of the threat of sexuality, men have always tried to control female sexuality and female bodies. And that's just, you know, hospital birth is sort of an extension of that. It's become much more humane over the years, obviously. You know, we're not back in the 50s where women were put put under general anesthetic, tied down, given birth, and then not see their baby for, like, days. Yeah. I mean, that's I didn't even know this until, like, recently. My grandma said she didn't see my uncle, her firstborn. For a full 24 hours. She thought for sure he was dead. Nobody told her anything. She was in a room by herself. And she had no idea where he was or what happened or who, like anything. Nobody mm-hmm. told her anything. And that's like not that long ago. And that, but that's still, sort that is still continuing today. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wouldn't like take your baby and not, I would hope they wouldn't take your baby without telling you. But 
I was reading on Reddit recently, someone posted this article that was about where the fear of drinking during pregnancy came from because in the states and in canada like north america it's a really big deal it's like don't drink there's signs there's everything and and then in europe it's kind of this like we trust you to figure out what's best for you like obviously don't go crazy but no one's really going to judge you if you have a glass of wine with dinner so it was this article talking about like when did this sort of start and then all these women were writing these comments basically saying how they felt how they felt that like they've been treated like infants like no one explains to them why their doctor suggests certain things and um all these women were saying like totally agreeing being like yeah no one explains anything to us they just sort of say like let us deal with it don't do this and don't do that but we're not going to explain why Mm -hmm. and this one user wrote here you read it you're better at reading than me (laughs) okay yeah. Okay. So he addressed some things which I think are fascinating, and I think he hits on a huge point that bothers me, and I'm sure many other mothers to be up the fucking wall. Bothers me up the, up the fucking wall. Drives me up the fucking wall. Many medical professionals treat pregnant women like fucking idiots. So instead of trusting that you, as an educated adult, could handle the full information about a risk factor such as drinking alcohol, many doctors skip straight to forbidding things. Stepping away from something as controversial as alcohol, let's say something like soft cheeses. What the hell is a soft cheese and why the hell can't I eat it? If you can get your doctor to list soft cheeses, which mine couldn't, the more you look into it, almost all dairy products in the U.S. are pasteurized. So in reality, it isn't the big, that big of a concern unless you're into raw milk products, which are frankly hard to get a hold of. Instead of explaining this, which would take time and effort, you have healthcare providers that give pregnant women a list of forbiddens, including soft cheeses. No explanation, no reconsideration, just a blanket assumption that a pregnant woman couldn't handle the intricacies of checking in if her soft cheese obsession could be pasteurized. If we go back to alcohol, we have a long history in the U.S. of villainizing drinking. I grew up in the South, and even though everyone drinks, you still get the stink eye if you are drinking. I've had my grandmother, who drinks regularly, loudly proclaim that she thinks any wedding with an open bar that serves liquor is classless. So you combine this moral subtext with the pregnant women are idiots subtext, and you get something asinine like the CDC saying any women between the ages of 14 and 50 shouldn't drink because they could get pregnant. I don't think the paper is calling for all women to drink up for trivializing FAS. I think he's asking what many of us would ask for proper education information on a subject, not blanket pronouncements. The thing that drives me crazy about that is like, okay, so you don't trust us to make decisions while we're pregnant. What about once the baby's out? That's all us? Then everyone's just hands in the air like, Meh, it's your fault, your problem. We don't care anymore. It's ridiculous. Weren't you telling me about, um, was it on the same post that a woman was like yeah my doctor just told me i wasn't allowed to eat hot dogs so i wasn't eating hot dogs but i was eating bacon every day yeah because the thing about eating hot dogs when you're pregnant is you don't want the nitrates but bacon also has them so making these blanket statements of like don't do this and don't do that without being like avoid nitrates and then Mm -hmm. say nitrites are a preservative in meat check the labels and i don't god that's so hard to say well i don't i honestly don't think it's just pregnant women that are treated like that i think in general medical health professionals treat everyone like idiots Either they're so they're so overloaded, like especially GPs. I mean, everyone's had the experience of you go in to see your doctor, you're trying to get something dealt with. They give you like 30 seconds. They barely listen to what you have to say. They give you a prescription and you walk out the door going like, what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. So I think the like, you know, yes, we're lucky we have universal health care. We're very lucky. But there, it doesn't mean it's perfect. And what that means is that people have to learn how to educate themselves you have to walk into your doctor's office armed with a bit of knowledge and ready to ask questions and don't let them brush you off 
you know, I love my GP. She's fantastic. But I still have to be like, hey, wait, why? What are you doing? What's the reason? What's the rationale? Is this safe? You know, I always have a bunch of questions. And I think she started to learn that that's what I need because I'm a human being and I don't want to just be told what to do because you know better than I do. Obviously, you know more than I do. You're a doctor and I'm not. But that doesn't mean you know everything. And I think people get really, it's that like authority thing that people are like, oh, well, they know better. I shouldn't question them. And it's like, no, you absolutely should. I mean, even. You're not questioning them. You're just saying like, why? Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. I want to know why. Because, because, because we're human beings and we're naturally curious. Like it's I've just, actually found like going to appointments with my mom. I found most of her doctors have explained things really well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because she's older. So they take the time. Mm-hmm. But. I've never um, been confused after an appointment with my mom. I'm usually like, okay, I totally understand why. <laughs> She's confused, but that's She's just because she doesn't remember like yeah. half of what gets told to but her. But at the same time, you don't want to swing so far to the other side that you become mistrustful, mistrustful and all knowing. Yeah. And like, well, the internet says, and I did my research and therefore the doctors are wrong. Like you have to be able to have a balance between the two. I think you don't want to be that, that couple in Alberta who ended oh, up completely disregarding medical advice and then their toddler died of meningitis meningitis people like you don't treat meningitis with fucking vitamins that's the thing horseradish and onion and um well and they're getting charged and i think they it's i i have a couple opinions about it well i have more than a couple i have a couple opinions about everything but um i feel bad for them because they obviously weren't smart enough to figure out the difference between natural medicine and real disease. And it's not that natural things aren't good, but was it you that said this or was it um, Ardula that said this? That natural medicine is preventative. Western medicine is curative. Yeah. In, in its best circumstances, right? You can't just... You can't just stick your head in the sand and be like, oh, we're giving her, we're giving her, you know, vitamins. Everything's going to be fine. Like meningitis is a serious fucking thing. I can't imagine having a child who stops breathing, who's getting rigid, who like is clearly sick and just thinking like, oh, it's getting worse, but we're just going to keep on with the vitamins. But I do feel bad because I think people don't know how to sift through the like ridiculous amount of information that they can find it's like we have too much access to information and anyone can put information on the internet so i think at this point a lot of people struggle to figure out what's real what they should believe what they should listen to and how to know the difference so a massive part of the issue is that the natural natural medicine is unregulated so they're able to say here's a cure this cures cancer like, there are natural medicines that say that. And it's like, no, it doesn't. There's no evidence be- behind that. Show me a case. But instead, they'll just be like, well, this person happened to be taking this, like, a supplement and their cancer went into remission. Okay, well, that's not the same thing. Sometimes cancer just does that by itself, which nobody wants to believe. Sometimes cancer, you can be, you know, and I, and I, I agree with, like, sometimes the many people hear cancer, they are like, as aggressive as possible and sometimes that's not the best case because some cancers like some prostate cancers some ovarian cancers will never progress fast enough to kill you or even cause any damage they're just slow moving so like running at that super aggressively maybe not the best choice but you we, we just have set this world up so that it's so hard for people who maybe aren't as educated or haven't 
you know, learned how to suss out a, a credible source get lost in the amount of information and think, well, I don't know, I'm trying to do what's best, but there's all this information and maybe they happen to have a friend who also believes it. So then they get stuck in this confirmation bias. Like, oh, I think, I think that, you know, everything natural has got to be better for you. So I'm just going to look for information that reinforces that belief instead of doing the thing that we should as skeptical individuals who want the real picture, which is what Angie and I do, is look at both sides of it. Because we're perfect. <laughs> I mean, we're not perfect, but I think we do a really good job of that, of looking at sort of the, looking at the other side of the evidence, because that's the way, like, it's the way we try cases. It's the way we try, like, criminal court cases, where it's like, you know, we're not just, you have to prove someone guilty. Mm-hmm. You don't have to prove that they're not innocent, right? It's different. So I think what, what people generally need to try and do is look at both sides of an argument and say, okay, who's saying the pro side? Who is saying this and why are they saying this? Do they have a vested interest in things going the way they are saying it should? Which a lot of natural vitamin companies do. Well, you this- just have to go to one natural remedy website and see all the fucking ads on it. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Just ad after ad of buy this get that get this get that and just like fyi it's a huge huge market and i'm not saying that i'm not saying that like the government is infallible it is insanely fallible but like you know the fda or like the cdc or they don't have a vested interest their interest is public health that's their job so if they're saying something is good for you it's not because they're going to benefit from it they're not getting you know, money directly put in their pockets from it. There are, yes, there are, like, I think generally the big pharma thing that everyone's afraid of, it's this brand versus this brand. It's not this medicine versus no medicine. So it's like, oh, you know, Valium wants to get the the FDA to say they're the right drug. But generally speaking, government organizations will say this generic name for the medicine, not this brand. Yeah, so, and like I said, the vitamin companies also have a huge market. Yeah. So it's like big pharma, big vitamin, yeah. big natural, whatever. Yeah, if you're afraid of, if that's the reason, then you should be afraid of, of the natural health industry for the same reasons, because mm-hmm. they're run by giant corporations. <laughs> it's all about money. So you have to look past all that crap, because that doesn't actually have anything to do with health. And I mean, this case with, with these parents, the guy, the father... Worked for a vitamin company. Oh, he owned it. He owned it. Right. Yeah. Sorry. He so like... he had like so much to gain by this, by not turning to, to Western medicine, yeah, but had... everything to lose because now his child is dead and he's going to jail. Likely. Yeah. Which, you know? which like I've been following it pretty closely and I listened to the entire interview, the police interview with the mom. And I was like, uh, did they like, can you genuinely say that they didn't provide the necessities for life because that was what they were trying to prove if they're so convinced that they, what they were doing was right. But then when I listened to her interview, there was a point at which her son stopped breathing and they called 911. And then he started breathing again. So they called 911 back and said, never mind, don't come. And that I- was like the switch for me where I was like, uh, you don't cancel an ambulance when your kid just stopped breathing, no matter what the reason is, even yeah. if they started breathing Let's again. find out why. Yeah. Why did he stop breathing? Maybe it's going to happen again. And I'm then, terrified. And then they're like, we'll take him to the hospital ourselves. And on the way to the hospital is when he stopped breathing again. 
ambulance could have been there and died. If he was in an ambulance, he would have had a chance, yeah. at least, because you have medically trained professionals who could revive him. So I was like, yeah, that's not providing the necessities for life when you cancel an ambulance. Anyway, but I don't know if sending them to jail, I know that they're trying to make a... Um, an example of them. Yeah, they're trying to make an example of them. They have two other kids. Like, is it really necessary to send them to jail and, like, this um, attachment that they have with Do you children? think maybe those kids deserve better parents? Yeah. But I don't... How, like, I... I don't think that they need to go to jail. What would What would do the trick, then? I don't know. Like, some sort of education. Maybe, like, they would be closer, like, just... There's no easy answer for this situation. Like they're being watched more to make sure that they are providing proper health care. There's no way they could like no. There's no way that you let your kid die and then you get to keep your kids, your other kids. Well, it's not like they murdered him. They did something like super fucked. They let him die. But I don't. I think that sending them to jail is going to profoundly affect their other two children, which is now creating like a cycle of just fucked up business. I'm not saying there's an easy answer to this, but the the they're you not, can't you can't not. be that intentionally neglectful resulting in your child's death was 100% preventable, 100% preventable and not have any consequences. Yeah, but then are you going to send every single parent who chooses not to vaccinate their kid to jail if they die of like mumps or measles or whatever? I mean, you know where I stand on this one, so you think that they should go to jail? I think I'm they just should. saying I that should, they no, are no, violent, I, like I think they're dangerous should. to society. They don't need to be in jail. Yeah, but you still, you know, people sometimes still go to jail if they like were driving recklessly and killed somebody. There's no intention to kill them, but they still resulted in in killing someone. It's the same idea. I mean, it's a it's a different level of a crime if there's no intention, but you know, if I accidentally like. I was going to say accidentally bought drugs, but that doesn't really make <laughs> sense. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I, I just think that I, I think I honestly do think there should be consequences for choosing not to vaccinate. I don't think you should be allowed to bring your kids to public school. I don't think you should be allowed to have your kids in a daycare. Yeah. That bothers me. because And oh, the part that drives me nuts, like, is that people that choose not to vaccinate are thinking about their kids. They're not thinking about everybody else, like like the people who are going through, you know, chemotherapy who have zero immune system or have an autoimmune disease or are really elderly or are really young and can't be vaccinated like or their vaccines didn't work because some of them only or don't work 15% of the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that we need to protect and those are the people that are not being protected because people make a choice based on fear, not based on education. Also, I think with this family, I mean, there has to you have to sort of take into account haven't they suffered enough? I don't think that they're really like, la-di-da, our son died. <laughs> we don't care. They're not heartless. They genuinely like thought they were doing good. I want to know if there's remorse. I want to know if the dad is finally saying, like, I am I was wrong. He's not. He, like, went out on Facebook and, like, trashed the jury and said a whole bunch of shit. Like, you guys are just, like, government shells and no one's – you've made a huge mistake and all this stuff. Do you mean shells? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway. I mean, it's it's but, it's a case where there's, like, no happy ending. A, yeah. a child is still dead. There's nothing that anybody can do that's going to undo that or make no, that then feel better. Do you better. want to take the parents away from two other kids? I don't know. Do you really think it's safe to put that guy who doesn't even realize he's done something insanely wrong resulting in his child's death back in charge of a child? 
absolutely not. Well, it doesn't have to. They could take the kids out of his custody, put it with the grandparents or whatever, and then work towards. Yeah, but then he's just going to keep perpetuating this idea that you should be afraid of of medical science. You should be afraid of anything that's a quote unquote chemical, which, oh, my God, everything is a chemical compound, people. Everything. Organic is like a a made up term. Organic chemistry is the chemistry of everything. <laughs> So there's no such thing as a chemical. Ugh, drives me crazy. Oxygen is a chemical. <laughs> Run away from the oxygen. <laughs> Just stop breathing it in. <laughs> but he's going to keep pushing his message and other people are going to listen to him, resulting in other people neglecting to treat something that is real and needs some medicine. Yeah, but I, I just don't think they need to be in jail. I, I don't think that's for us to decide. This took a dark turn, didn't it? Last two episodes were like child abuse, child death. Yeah. We hate, let's go on rants. Let's just be angry all the time now that we're pregnant. Okay, well, let's talk about something a little bit more positive. So our last prenatal class was really fun. We got to do um, like some pain practice kind of stuff. And I thought it was really neat. I liked it. Although I felt, it felt inadequate in my shortness. (laughs) Yeah, the doula made us sit there and slap each other in the face harder and harder and harder. It's really weird. You're so full of shit. No, there. She was showing us like good positions for the for the birthing mother while she's like laboring. Or they don't use the word contraction. I don't know why. I think maybe there's negative associations with the word contraction, but it's always called like a sensation or a surge. Which I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, but whatever. Anyway, so a, like a good position t- is to like help like a supported squat, basically. So the so Angie would be like in a squat, and I'd be holding kind of under her armpits. But, like, every other couple was able to just, like, drape their arms over their husband's <laughs> <laughs> legs. And I was, like, way too short. So I'm, like, holding her with, like, all my, like, basically supporting her entire weight with my arms. Like, yeah, we could totally do this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, like, not getting any benefit because I'm still sitting on the floor. Yeah. So I'm going to need something to. You're going to have to I'll, be, like, hanging from gonna, the ceiling. I'm going to need, like, a, a pedestal to put a chair on in order to, like, be high up enough because like you know how most people sit down in a chair and their knees like higher than the chair that's not my feet don't touch the ground most of the time when I'm in a chair so it's pretty useless so you want to get a squatty potty to help you hold me up during oh surges Mm -hmm. also um I'm pretty sure squatty potties are better for you yeah I totally think we should get one most places most places in the world people squat to poop Mm -hmm. we don't do that here yeah. And I think there's probably more hemorrhoids and more like anal issues here because of it. But okay. it's just it's just like basic physics. Your body in in that squat position, your hips open up more. Mm-hmm. So whether you're trying to birth a child or Poop. drop a deuce, <laughs> it's just like a better position to let things out. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to like pop a hemi. Something interesting that I learned from the class was when people talk about birth, how they always say, oh, I was in labor for 75 hours mm-hmm. or whatever crazy number mm-hmm. it is they're usually talking from like the first time they started getting contractions surges surges sorry sensations um when their contractions are still like 15 minutes apart 20 minutes like they come and go they're there for like an hour and then they stop for several hours like that's not really birth it's not really labor yet yeah and so, so a lot of times when people are talking about their labors, it's quite exaggerated. Mm. Which is it's good not that like it's not happening. It's just not like 
the thing. It's not like you're sitting there pushing, being like, ah! for 72 hours, which is what it sounds like. It do- that is sort of what you get, the picture you get in your head. And I think a lot of that is from the media. Mm-hmm. You know, every TV show you ever see, a woman's just like, ah! like the whole time. But when you watch, if you, if you care to watch some like home birth videos, the women are like super chill and like, not that it doesn't hurt, but it just is, seems way more, way less like, stressful it seems way less like intense like it's not that it's not intense it's just like a calm version of pain mm-hmm. versus this like i don't know it's funny she made us do um we're all like clenching everything and going no 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 <laughs> versus like because ah. they even in yoga they say like if your jaws clenched then everything is going to tense up and it causes more like resistance mm-hmm so even just like making lower moaning sounds versus like ah! kind of sounds makes a difference in how you experience the pain and like basic stuff that you maybe would never even think about instead of just thinking about how much it hurts. Oh, my God, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Thinking about like breathing through it or distracting yourself or just being like this is happening and it's going to be over soon because mm-hmm. they really only last for like a minute and you can do anything for a minute and it's going to be fine and everything's great and picture your pelvis opening and stuff like that. It like can change the experience of it so drastically. Yeah. And we did the ice thing Mm -hmm. where we each held like an ice cube tightly in a fist. And the first time we did it, she wasn't saying anything. We're just sitting there. We had no idea how long it was going to last. So it was like, fuck, I want to. No, the first time she was talking about like, oh, it hurts so much and it's so cold and it's starting to sting and like was really focusing on the negative stuff and not telling us how long it was going to be. So you're sitting there just like, fuck, I can't hold this anymore. I can't do this. What am I? Come on, make this end, make this end. Yeah. And and then doing it again. The second time while the non-birthing partner was massaging the neck which i for some reason got like really intense and was like trying to give her like yeah I think you're trying to like now it's time to get rid of all these knots in your <laughs> yeah. back i'm like not yeah. the time to be like giving me swedish like intense in my head was like oh Angela always wants me to like push as hard as i can on this one spot in her back so i was like approaching it like that instead of just like gently rubbing her neck to make her relax anyway yeah. so i'm sure i didn't like help that situation much and then the third time was like was kind of like a meditation where it was like you know breathe in acknowledge breathe out, that you're ign- having a you know acknowledge the pain and then push it out of your mind and breathe and yeah relax your toes and all that kind of stuff yeah and very like mindfulness kind of meditative approach and it was so it was such good. a big difference mm-hmm. and then afterwards Angie's little science mind was like mm, but what don't you think part of it is because we'd done it three times? So the third time you're like better at dealing with it. Yeah, like, you become more acclimated maybe, to the, maybe to the sensation. So, but but I did switch hands because I was thinking about that. I was like, hmm, uh, this hand hasn't had it, so I'm gonna switch and see if it's the same. That's almost worse because you want the one that's like not recovering completely in between, because then it's like building on itself. Oh the pain. yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway. anyway, it was. I thought it was really like a wonderful like simple way of showing the difference and how you the like change in the way you feel about just that one minute based on how you approach it was like it was really cool that alone I feel like is like worth its weight in gold for this class and now Jackie's saying that she wants the birth to last like several days (laughs) I'm like no thank you only only because I really like 
I don't know. I just I'm looking at it as like such a like a transitional period. And it's like a ceremony almost like this very intimate experience, this very intense, intimate, special experience that we get to have together. And I just I feel like I would not feel cheated necessarily, but feel like I didn't have enough transition if it was like four hours start to finish. I'd be like, oh, crap, it's over already. Like now we have a baby, you know. I feel like it it really gives you kind of time to transition into accepting that, like, now I'm a parent. It's not that I want you to be in pain for three days. <laughs> but generally speaking, your first birth is going to take for quite a while. <laughs> Forever. For quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Our doula asked what I was most excited about. I couldn't really think of what I was most excited about. <laughs> I feel like I get overwhelmed by these these kinds of questions because I'm like, I don't I don't know. And it's not that I'm not excited. It's just I can't. You're not good at being put on the spot. <clears throat> you like panic and then you're like, I don't know, baby. And then what I said was, I'm excited to reach viability. <laughs> so I know my baby's going to live. Like, yeah. that's fucked up. I don't know what I'm excited about. What are you excited about? Like, obviously, the obvious answer is like meeting my baby. But that feels like that should be a given. Cause well, I'm really excited about just having this like intense kind of intimate experience with you that it's gonna that we're gonna share with a few people you know our doula and our one of our friends and our midwives but that is gonna be like very I I think like and I this was what I was asking our friends last night was like it changes your relationship right like it it does like you just it it brings you closer and I can't even imagine being closer to you than I am right now it's been almost 10 years and we're like so and we're sitting in each other's laps right now yeah <laughs> Jack, he has your finger in my bum <laughs> but I just I'm like excited for that like next level of our relationship that next like understanding of each other that we couldn't have yet that we can't have now and then and then you know parenting together I'm like so excited to be a parent together because we've been talking about it for almost our entire relationship, what what it's going to be like when we have a baby, what the baby will be like, what kind of parents we're going to be like, how involved we're going to be, what we're going to do with the baby, what we're going to call the baby, what we're going to like dress the baby in, <laughs> what activities we're going to do, who who's going to be special to the baby. Like just it's been our whole life almost it feels like together is just like leading up to this moment. So it's like, I don't know, I don't think I could be more excited about anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but I think you get blocked from thinking about that stuff because you're just scared about, like, your vagina ripping in half <laughs> and having a vaginus. Anyway, I guess that's it for this week. We'll fill you in next time we record on our next uh, prenatal class and whatever we have going on. So it's talk to you later. podcast at all. <laughs> your baby mama's podcast. Thanks for listening to the Baby Mamas Podcast. Make sure to like them on Facebook and give them a great review on iTunes. Have a good day.